Hello, hello. You are listening to Why the World Needs You podcast, hosted by me, Benjamin Fritz. This podcast has been created to empower you to become the person you've always wanted to be. The journey is difficult and the challenges are many, but the rewards of being true to yourself are immeasurable. The objective of this show is to give you a safe, supportive space to learn, gain inspiration, and witness the true power and freedom that comes with becoming the person that you are meant to be. Why the World Needs You is a community of purpose-driven individuals who are passionate, gifted, and have a zest for life. They deeply desire to share their unique voice and gifts in order to make the world a better place for themselves and future generations. They are pulled to a different way of living and a higher purpose, while remaining grounded in their desire to engage and contribute in practical ways. My goal is for you to walk away from each episode with confidence and conviction, sharing your authentic self with the world, as well as a deepening understanding of your potential to impact the world in a way that makes sense to you. I'm honored to have this privilege. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day and your journey. Hello, and welcome to the Why the World Needs You podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Fritz, and today I have Terry Milroy with me. Terry is an emotional wellness and relationship coach who helps women create lasting and meaningful relationships with themselves and others and to create love and joy in their lives. Thanks so much for joining me today, Terry. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So I'm really excited to have this conversation. We met not too long ago, actually, in a, a great supportive group online. And very quickly, like into our conversation, I would just like pulled your story. And, you know, we are obviously you're female, I'm male, we're different age groups but I immediately just felt very connected with you. And like we had so many things in common, even though our stories are so, so different. So I'm, I'm a, super excited for you to share a little bit today and I'm just so happy to have you. Well, thanks. Uh, yeah, we, our connection was really quick and it seemed like we had a lot um, to share with each other. So this is great. I'm uh, excited to participate today. Awesome. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and let you start. Let's just kind of, um, we'll get to, to kind of where you're at today and what you're doing now, but let's just kind of start with giving us an overview of your background, your story. What is it that you've kind of gone through to get to where you're at today? Okay. So I was in a long marriage that became a little bit less than ideal. I wound up getting divorced about five years ago. And that and my earlier experience in childhood, I was interested in emotional health because it was something that came up in my family. It was something that came up in my marriage. And I also have always wanted to be a person who was helpful. I came out of college and wound up in the buying office of a major uh, retailer and after a couple of years, realized that we worked 13, 14, 15 hour days to make sure one more polka dot blouse got on the rack. And though, you know, that might've been important for bottom line, it really didn't make a difference for anybody in the world. And so after I got married, um, my husband was in the military and I had to leave my job because it wasn't transferable. So I looked at getting credentials to start teaching because teaching to me seemed like the kind of opportunity where you really made a difference in the lives of kids. 
um, and I got two master's degrees. And when my children were um, starting school, I went to work as a professor at a community college and loved the first couple of years. Felt like I really made a difference, felt like um, I really connected with people, um, had lots of students coming to me for, you know, personal conversation and advice and everything after class. And I felt like that was really my calling. And so the first three or four years of that, I was just absolutely felt like, you know, I had finally found my niche in the world. But after those first three or four years, it became more and more where students were challenging me to make them earn their grade. You know, if they didn't do what they were supposed to and they were failing the class, they'd go, you know, complain to my boss and say that I was unfair, that I hadn't given them, you know, fair warning of a due date or something. And it became more of a, it was more to punching a time clock. I didn't feel like they wanted me there. I didn't feel like there was anything of value that I was getting or giving. And so at that point, I was still... um I, I didn't want to leave my job, but I needed something different. And in the course of my separation, I came across a life coach and spent some time with a life coach and was like, hey, this is really great. It's something that I think I would like to do. And then after the divorce, I started a certification program to become a life coach, finished the certification program um, not quite two years ago. And because of my day job, uh, started doing pro bono work with people at the college that I worked with, because we deal with a lot of first-generation college students who have a lot of limiting beliefs about whether they belong in college and all that. So I've done a lot of really great work with students at my job. In December of this year, just sort of, or this past year, sort of realized that, you know, as much as I enjoy the pro bono work, it's not constant. And it's some, the life coaching is what I really want to be spending my time on. So I started a side hustle doing it for um, money as well as continuing my pro bono work at my day job. And so I've been about three months now bringing it into a paying gig. I love it. I love what I do and I'm still doing my pro bono work on the side. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing it everything. I feel like there's so much packed in there. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so interesting. And this is like one of my favorite parts. And I like, I'm, you know, I'm like, feel selfish and and fortunate to be doing this because it's, I just love hearing people's stories and kind of hearing the progression is always so interesting to me. I think for so many of us, it's like in hindsight, everything just kind of makes sense. Like, our, our path just makes sense, which in the moment, it really doesn't always feel like that. <laughs> but would you agree? Like, do you feel the point you're at now, do you kind of see that progression as like everything kind of adding up to where you're at? I do. Uh, I think that one of the things that I realized as I was preparing to bring my life coaching business, you know, into a paid thing this year is that relationship coaching is something that my experience has really brought to me because what I realized is that my life experience was all about building relationship with other people, but also with myself because some of my greatest lessons are about what I didn't love about me. Hmm. And so I think that that has really not only helped 
not only that I have grown through that experience, but that it's something that I bring now to what I do. That's such a powerful lesson. And that's something that I am, I'm very grateful to have learned relatively early on in my life. You know, I'm in my early thirties now, but I feel like for a lot of people, that's something that there's a lifetime of pain that comes before they really realize that. So I'm very grateful for that. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and your personal experience. So how did that really come about of like you starting to realize, oh, a lot of this has to do with me and kind of turning inwards and start and to stop like blaming or pointing the finger or always like looking for answers outside of you? So um, the last five years I was married, um, I was still in the relationship because I was convinced I could fix it. Hmm. Um, the one thing that I had been told growing up was that I wasn't pretty. I wasn't athletic. I wasn't socially popular particularly, but I was smart. And so the thing that my parents taught, told me growing up was, well, at least you're book smart. And so I thought that I was smart enough to find an answer to fix the relationship. And, you know, first of all, a relationship is two people and you can't fix someone else. And that's, you know, something that took me a while. But the other thing that I realized after I finally um, gave into the separation and went to counseling was that I have always, I have always felt not good enough. Um, Or I, I had up until that point. And so I had stayed and tolerated a lot of things that were not healthy because I was always told that I wasn't as good as my sibling. I wasn't as good as my cousins. I wasn't as good as whatever. And then, you know, my marriage reinforced that, you know, you aren't as good as this person. You don't do this. You can't do that. So that was something that I had internalized from a young age. And so in adulthood, when people tried to put those labels on me or those limiting beliefs, I accepted them because I already own them. And so it wasn't new to me. So um, I didn't really learn about limiting beliefs with the counselor, but I did actually, something the counselor said to me after my separation triggered me enough to think about, hey, why do I think this about myself? And I worked with a life coach and really worked through those limiting beliefs. And it it was a very freeing thing, but I was 46 years old. You know, you're so lucky to be where you are now because I was 46 by the time I really had worked through all of that and knew that I had value and that other people's beliefs were not true. Mm, Yeah. I'm just like feeling that as, as you're talking about it, just because the power of those thoughts and those narratives can and do run our lives, which is, is so crazy, right? It's so crazy to think that. And it's really hard to understand their power over us until we get to a place where we really have to reassess or like, you know, you did where, you had, you know, you had somebody to help you through that. You had a mentor, you had a guide, you had a coach, but identity, like, this is the one thing, like all my conversations, I, we always come to identity at some point. Right. And it's just so powerful. So 
for you, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that that was a, just such a, a massive breakthrough for you to realize like, Oh, like you said, you know, it's a two way street, but a lot of this is because I'm accepting of it, or I'm putting myself in a scenario where these narratives essentially become, you know, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes, exactly. They do. And, and it's funny because even though I would say that some of those beliefs were imposed on me by other people, I accepted them to such an extent that when the the separation had, you know, gotten to a point that I felt like I was wanting to date again, my children actually pulled me aside and said, please go get yourself straight before you inflict yourself on someone else. Wow, wow. And, and it was interesting that as teenagers, they recognized that I didn't see enough value in myself to be a healthy partner for someone else. Um, and so, you know, I actually sort of have them to thank for going and finding the life coach. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that is, it is so interesting, I think, because so often, right, w- we don't see it within ourselves or even if, you know, it's subconsciously, we know something's there. We feel like to everybody else, it's, it's, you know, completely unseen. <laughs> yep. Um, but so that's, that's really powerful that you, your kids did that and said that and, kind of, you know, gave you the, the, oh, like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like this is something I need to, to look at along the lines of identity and messaging like that. What do you think? And so, and, you know, feel free to kind of reference any of your work that you've done with your coach or even stuff that you've learned in your own coaching experiences what do you feel are kind of the first, the first like step or two to really have that awareness around, oh, this is happening to me and I need to take some responsibility for changing it? So um, I think the very first step, even before you accept responsibility, is understanding the difference between who you are and the labels that you have accepted by society. And I'm not just talking about the kind of labels that my parents gave me about you're smart, but you're not athletic and whatever. Um, there are so many people who live by, um, you know, they're thin or they're heavy or, you know, they're tall or they're short, or, you know, in my case, they're athletic or they're not, or you're smart or you're not. And that's not who you are inside. And that's something that it took me a, a a couple of sessions to really understand when I was working through with my life coach was even though I knew that I had good things about me, I didn't really understand that who I am in my heart or in my soul or whatever, you know, words you want to put on that, your spirit is really who you are. Everything else is just something that either is a skill you've developed or is a label that society has chosen to be able to identify you with. Um, and that includes, you know, race and religion and all of that. They may be important aspects of your living, but they're not who you are. Mm. So, so good. That's, uh, I want to like just paste that as the, <laughs> the tagline for this episode <laughs> because it's so, it's so, so true. And it's so hard to, it's so hard to really accept that or realize it. And, and for me, you know, a lot of, my journey with that was through health stuff, through physical health stuff and, and really getting to a place where 
I had to feel a lot of pain <laughs> in order to, to really face that and kind of have, um, you know, at least for me, it was, this is where, you know, get a little spiritual. It was like, for me, I was like, I, it was meant to happen. I had to, I had to be put on my ass in order to really learn the lesson because I was just being too stubborn to learn it any other way. But then in hindsight, once you have the opportunity to really see that and feel that, at least for me, there's just so much gratitude and there's just, you know, even though it is such a painful experience, having that come out of it is so, so worth it. Right. It's kind of like people in a 12-step program, right? Once you hit bottom and finally, you know, take responsibility and find the freedom to let go of that, you know, your life is just so much better. The the doing is hard, but the other side is just so amazing. Yes, totally. So I'm curious, so kind of like stepping through this then, once you you had some of those realizations, you brought some acknowledgement to it, what did it look like for you or what was kind of the process or the journey as you started to step into who you are? So like once you were able to kind of shed these things and it's not a perfectly linear process, right? So I'm curious right. to hear for you how that was as you started to realize these things and then shift into accepting who you actually are, the best parts of you. What did that look like? So for me, it started with tackling some of the labels that I had lived with the longest. So, um, you know, I had always been told that I was not athletic and I was never, you know, super heavy as a child or as a young adult, but I always had extra pounds that, you know, I was like, why can't I be, you know, super skinny, like the head cheerleader or whatever. And that was just never me. Um, and so regardless of my size, the first thing I tackled actually was physical health. Um, I made myself start running. Um, and the first year that I was coming through the life coaching and out of it, um, I ran four or five races, um, most of them only 5Ks, but a couple of 10Ks. Um, and that was a really big thing for me. And I didn't realize what a big thing it was until I was getting ready to run this 10K here um, in Virginia. There's thousands of people who register and you actually have to go down the day before and get your number and your packet and everything and get ready. And there was um, a foot doctor there who was doing free um, analyses of your arch to see if you needed special arch supports to be able to run without hurting your arch. And I stepped on this little machine that they were measuring your arch with. And she said, wow, for an athlete, you've got really good arches. And I said, well, I'm not an athlete. And she said, well, oh, are you walking tomorrow? And I said, no, I'm running. And she said, sweetheart, if you're running a 10K, you are an athlete. And it was such a mentally transformational moment for me to be like, oh my God, I have completely shed one of the most debilitating labels that I lived with my whole life. So that was actually my first step was to start with the physical stuff. After that, it was, it was a progression of things. It was joining groups to widen my friend basis because I'd always been a little bit of an introvert, you know, not really comfortable in big social situations. So I, I broadened my friend groups. I joined several organizations 
And then I started dating again. And I started dating with the idea that I'm going to find someone who's worthy of me and not settle for someone who is not. And I'm not going to look for the pretty boy to, pr- to prove something. I'm looking for the guy who really has everything that I want. And that was a long process. <laughs> yep. But it, it, was, it was a very learning experience because the first time, this sounds really strange, but the first time I had gone out with someone once or twice and they asked me out again and I said, no, thank you. Because I just knew that there wasn't there what I needed. I'd never been the one to say no before. Mm. And that was, uh, you know, not to enjoy her. I didn't enjoy hurting someone's feelings, but it was empowering for me to be in that place where I could say, no, you know, this just isn't going to work for me. You're a nice person and thank you, but no. So it, it, it was a kind of a, a series of steps and the, the broadening my friend group and, and the dating kind of happened together. But I went through almost a year of just, you know, tackling my physical health and going with the life coach, going through the mental stuff um, before I did anything else. Cool. Thank you. It's, it's funny. Just <laughs> quickly, as you said that about yourself, um, on the dating scene, it's so funny. I had a client last year who, very similar situation. She was kind of like a serial dater mm-hmm. and she had made a commitment to herself and to me while we were working together that she wasn't going to date anybody. She was focusing on herself. She was kind of getting her own stuff together and then she was going to go back into the dating world. And so after a while, she did end up dating again and she was going out with a guy and we kind of talked about it and she was like, yeah, like it's just not right. And so anyways, she eventually was the one who was like, it's not going to work. And I was like, so proud of her because I could just tell that for her, it was such an empowering move. Yeah. And it is a total shift. It's a total mental shift to be like, I'm a bad person for doing this or like, this doesn't feel good. And just like totally empowering to be like, I deserve more or I am worthy of more. Yep. So anyways, I, I thought that was interesting, but the, but really the, the word there that I use that's really important here is empowerment. And I love that you started with the physical because that's one of the things that we have the most control over, right? Exactly. Exactly. And so it's easy to start with that, kind of take that as a starting point. And, you know, I saw that because my background is in fitness. I always loved fitness because of that exact reason once people can start to get control of their their health and their, their physical health, then really what happens, the process, and I was thinking about it as, as soon as you were walking you know, me through what yours looked like, is it's really a process of showing yourself, proving to yourself that you are capable yes. and you're worthy. And yes. doing that is huge. And I, I do think that like the physical part is for those of us that need to start at ground zero and like build that trust up, that's one of the best places to do it. Well, and it's also about commitment, right? It's about learning to be committed to what's important to you. You know, I actually just started running again in January because I fell down a flight of stairs last May, Mm -hmm. um, messed up my foot and ankle and was barely able to walk for a long time, let alone run. And so I wasn't actually released to run until the last week of January. So I'm just building back into it. And I was on my run this morning and I almost stopped just because my legs were tired. 
Mm. And, you know, then I heard in my head this, what are you doing? You know, you have a commitment to yourself and you're going to keep that commitment. I'm curious then. So, so now we've kind of like taken things to the next step for you with, with the life coach, I guess is what I'm curious about here. So like, what was one of the best parts about that? Like, what did you enjoy about that? What was one of the most transformational parts of working with somebody? I'm assuming that then also kind of like really cleared the path for you to be like, Oh, like this is how I want to help people. Or this is something that I want to be able to do. Yeah. Part of, I had already been interested in life coaching. My boyfriend who I had met before I started working with the life coach, but we were just kind of, you know, friends was also seeing a life coach and had told me about how transformational it had been for him. And so as I started working with her and we really didn't work together that long, only a a couple of months, but one of the first things that she said after, you know, she asked me to explain what, you know, I wanted to, what my goal was, you know, which was to feel strong and empowered, able to take care of my kids, able to take care of myself, able to be in a loving, healthy relationship as a um, equal, strong partner. She listened to my story about my parents and she said, well, you know, you've accepted the limitations that they put on themselves. And I hadn't ever thought about it that way. And it just so happened that while we were working together, my mother started to slip into alcoholism. And in some of her moments where she was not lucid, she would tell these stories that I had never heard before. That was exactly what she had said to me, but it was her mother saying it to her. Hmm. And there was a real sense of relief to some extent to understand where that came from, but also to realize once I understood where it came from, that it didn't matter. You know, that it was that people do as much as they can do and hurting people hurt people. And somebody, and my life coach actually said that to me, and I've seen it a hundred places since, but she said, hurting people hurt people. Mm -hmm. And that explained so much about my parents, about my ex-husband, about a lot of things in my life. And it really made such a difference. And I don't know why, but I was like, you know, I have to share this with people. There are so many people out there who think that the world is a bad place and that people are evil. And it's not that, it's that we are so imperfect. We unintentionally sometimes, and sometimes intentionally, but hopefully most of the time unintentionally, put our pain onto other people in the way we address them. Mm. So true. And it's, I mean, really, you know, I'm (laughs) I'm always thinking big picture. So, you know, as soon as you're saying that, I'm like, yeah, like that's the problem with the world. Like, you know, just because really as, as you were saying that, for me, I felt that you in that moment felt compassion for Mm -hmm. your parents, for your ex-husband. Like you felt you, yeah. I mean, it was just compassion, right? Like you put yourself, you understood what they were going through. And while it didn't necessarily make what they did to you. Okay. It put some reason to it and having that acceptance and compassion like allows us to soften a bit. 
Absolutely. And, you know, it also, one of the most powerful things that it did for me was it allowed me to go through the rest of the divorce process without anger. Mm, That's huge. You know, to say, I don't want to go back. You know, I, I don't want to relive that, but I understand now a lot of what is behind what I dealt with. And I hope that someday you're willing to find someone to help you because I understand now and I don't have any residual anger at all. And once we let that go, that's when we can finally move forward. Absolutely. And be happy, right? Because if you dwell in, you know, the unfairness of life, you know, if you're constantly reliving the wrongs that are done to you, how can you ever be happy? Um, you, you have to let go. Yeah. Oh, that part's so huge for me. You know, I've experienced that in, unfortunately, no like major, major ways in my life, but little things here and there. And, you know, with, with friends, with parents and just like, yeah, just letting go. Like you said, it really just comes back to, we're all just doing the best we can with what we have at the time. Right. Yep. And so yep. it's like, once we understand that and can really internalize it, it's one thing to say it and it's one thing to actually believe it. But once we do, you can't like, you can just finally let go of that thing. And that doesn't mean that there's not some pain there, but you're letting go of that attachment to it. And now, so now that's not holding you back anymore. Exactly. You know, when I was doing my life coaching certification, one of the things that my teacher really emphasized is that with a very rare exception, you know, for people who are born with chemical imbalances in their brain, there are no evil intentions. You know, there's only actions that come across as evil because of what your expectation was of the person or the event. And that was really transformational too. Hmm. Yeah, it's so true. It's, it's really hard to <laughs> like wrap our head, heads around and, you know, with so much going on, like I said, I always am thinking like bigger scale just because that's who I am. But like in the world, it can be so for me overwhelming to be like, there's so much bad going on. There's so many things that are terrible. There's so much oppression. There's so much fear and violence and all these things. And so kind of have to like ground myself every once in a while with those principles and just be like, we're going to be okay. We just have to like support each other and kind of spread this, this awareness. And I think that is both you and I kind of like the foundation of our work, what we do now, and especially going forward as we continue to, to build and grow our mission and our visions, that's kind of at the root of it is like really allowing people to, to heal, you know, in, in some form, some fashion, step into themselves and really allow them to grow. Exactly. Um, it, it's all about understanding that in the end, you are responsible for you and everybody else is doing the best they can in any given circumstance, but sometimes their best on any given day isn't very good. And that's okay because we all have those times. Yep. So true. <laughs> I'm curious for you how, as, as you've kind of made this transition, this progression, what has the 
support been like for you in terms of people around you? Have you had to do it mostly on your own? Where have you found support? What relationships have you had to let go of other than kind of the, the internal things we talked about? Yeah. Um, well, I, I have had a lot of things require me to let go of some things. Both of my parents now are um, not well. And so I've had to let go of a lot of that just because they, my mother is in full blown dementia. So she, you know, isn't there anymore. And my dad has been ill. And so I don't burden him with a lot of stuff. You know, I just try to be there for him and that's it. I've been really fortunate. My boyfriend is really super supportive. He doesn't uh, understand all of the Facebook marketing that goes along with being a life coach, but he's walked, walked with me through the emotional journey a hundred percent and is really supportive of that. And so have my kids, you know, it's helped them because as I have stabilized and grown and let go of a lot of things, they've been able to let go of a lot of things, which has been very healthy for them. And, you know, the funniest loss, honestly, I was part of a religious group of of women that was just, you know, kind of a get together group. And because of both my job and, you know, having to see this life coach to keep my schedule, I had to miss some meetings and those people just kind of fell away. They were like, well, if we're not important to you. And I was like, well, no, you are. But, you know, my my health and my future is important to me too. And not being able to prioritize a few people has caused them to fall away. But that's okay because they've been replaced with friendships that are really deep and strong and empowering for me. And so I think that you wind up where you need to be when you are healthy and when you do, you know, have that emotional balance, I think you wind up where you need to be with who you need to be. I I totally agree. I think there, you know, there has to be some openness there and some willingness to let it happen and to not hold on because it's scary, right? It's scary to let go of those things that felt normal or felt safe to us as we continue to shed this, old part of us it's just scary right because it's like all those things that we knew we have to continue Mm -hmm. letting that go and we're kind of like it's like we're stepping into this new skin which ironically is more us than the skin that we were in before (laughs) right exactly But, but it's still uncomfortable and I think that's something that or I know that's something from working with people and talking to people like that's a big thing that they go through is people and connections there there's so much fear around letting those things go because like what does that mean about me those of us who who are recovering people pleasers and have always wanted to to do other things for or things for other people it's just a it's a hard thing so i you know for anybody listening i just like to let them know that it's a very real, real process and you'll know once you start going through that because you'll start feeling you'll just feel off. You won't feel aligned with the same people. You won't really want to hang out with them anymore as much. You won't want to talk to them as much. So letting go of guilt around that is, I find really, really important because generally the type of people that I work with and the type of person that I am too, is kind of that like, 
you know, we have the, our default is like worrying what other people think and worrying about what things are saying about us. Yeah. And so that's, it's okay to, to let go. It's okay. I love what you said uh, about your, uh, the, the women's group you're a part of because that truly, again, and this like the, the same trend is kind of underlying our conversation here, right? It goes back to like what you were saying about being in a partnership, it goes back to taking care of yourself. I am worthy. Yes. I am worthy of putting myself first. Yes, absolutely. You know, it, it get it comes to, you know, there's a point at which obviously, you know, when you have children, children sometimes have to come first because they're helpless you know, to a certain age. You know, there are times when other people need to come first because their needs are truly more important than yours. But you always have to keep in mind that you are important and that when you need something, not want, but when you need something, then that need deserves to be met. And that that's a big step for a lot of people. It was a big step for me. Mm-hmm. And like you said, too, being able to distinguish between a want and a need and a situation like in yourself and then also in a situation where another person may have a need that goes over yours. So like it's it's kind of a, a juggling act, but that's part of the, the learning process. Exactly. You You learn how to balance yourself with others, but you can't lose yourself in others. You have to be aware of your own separate needs and identity. Totally. So I'm curious for you now, you're moving forward very quickly in terms of where you're at and who you want to help and how you want to do it. What are kind of the, like what is most exciting to you in your, your journey going forward? You know, I think the thing that really excites me the most is the possibility of creating, for lack of a better word, because all the online people use this, a tribe, right, of women who can come to the same realization that I have, hopefully earlier in life, but who can take responsibility for themselves, who can be emotionally strong and happy and pass that on to their kids because I worry so much about, you know, I've got young adults now, I guess, 19 and 21, but I see so many young people who are so lost. Um, and as adults, I think it's our responsibility to model for them the kind of mental health and stability and the healthy sense of self that, you know, I finally learned. And so what excites me the most is finding the ability to help other women be the role model for their children that I hope I've become for mine Um, and passing that down generation to generation so that we don't have hordes of young people who are lost and, you know, doing things that aren't healthy to themselves because of it. Yeah, I just love that so much this kind of goes full circle back to what I mentioned at the very beginning was I feel like our missions are so, so similar, Mm -hmm. but we're going about it in different ways. And we're going about it in a way that makes sense to us in a way that we understand because of our journeys. You know, for me, a lot of what I went through and my kind of pain points were working and doing a job that 
I just quickly realized was not going to allow me to make the impact I wanted in the world. And then kind of in parallel over the years, I had health issues that kind of alerted me to even more of that of like, no, you're still not living your mission. You're still not doing the things that you really, really deeply want to do. And so that's kind of, you know, what I use then as, as my platform and my ability to connect with people and help people because I see that so much. So similarly to you and how you see this and women, you want to kind of be able to free them and then in turn empower them. It's the same thing for me with the, the career and the lifestyle that people are, are leading and living. I want to help them shift that so that they can really step into who they are. And in the end, then that gets reflected. So I'm working with people generally, I think, who are a little bit younger than, than your target audience. But in turn, then they can, again, just like you're saying, they can pass it down. They can model yes. it to their kids. Yeah. They can have that self-awareness. They can have that. They can be very comfortable with who they are and confident in who they are and their direction and, and not kind of playing out all these patterns that we talked about earlier, these narratives and continuing to live those things out. They can shed those. They can step into who they really are and then they can pass it along to their children. And, and as we like, that's cause that's the answer, right? <laughs> like yeah, we've got absolutely. to like, it's all a compounding effect. So unless we can, pass that down to younger generations, we'll never get to where we want to be because there will continue to be broken links along the way. Absolutely. You know, I think we're so fortunate to live in a time when things like coaching and other helping professions are more widespread and we have the opportunity to stop this cycle of, well, you know, I wasn't raised, you know, emotionally healthy. So I'm going to raise emotionally unhealthy children and they're going to raise an emotionally unhealthy children. We finally have the ability to stop that. And, you know, it's one of the things that I tell my kids a lot that I hope that the journey that I went through has been evident to them and that they see not only the steps that I took to be healthy and that they deserve to you know, feel worthy of whatever it is they want. But now as I'm stepping into this new journey with life coaching, you know, you don't have to sit in a cubicle if that's not the life, you know, that you want and and you need something else to be more fulfilled. My daughter's a psych major and she really wants to help people. And I'm telling her, you know, it's great that you're going to have the degree. And if you want to be a licensed counselor or a psychologist or whatever it is you want to do, that's great. But know that there are other paths that we're not going to put you in a cage and say, this is the cage you have to live in. I love that. I love that you are able to do that and pass that along. And, you know, for me not having kids yet, you know, I'm, I'm almost a year into marriage, but you know, no kids yet. And that'll be something that happens within a couple of years probably. But you know, and I'll, I'll kind of put you on the spot here for a second, but like, what has that looked like for you? I'm so happy you mentioned this. Like, what has that looked like for you and your kids? Just like to basically elaborate a little bit on what you were saying. Like, have you guys had conversations about what you went through? Like, how, how has that looked? How have you tried to use that to really kind of help them? And like you said, make them 
more emotionally healthy and kind of just open. So, um, you know, my kids were teenagers when the divorce happened. So they were allowed, required to be part of the process in a way that you would hope your kids don't have to be part of a divorce. But they chose to live with me because they were part of the reason I left because of things that were happening. And, and I've tried to be very open with them when I was struggling early on, not to put any fear in them, but to say, I think you all are right. I think that, you know, going to see a counselor would help. And after, you know, I discovered the counselor and then the life coach, I've encouraged both of them, whether you want to see a counselor, whether you want to deal with a life coach, I am a hundred percent supportive of that. I don't think that I'm the right person to guide you because I'm your mother and I have, you know, my own dreams for you. And that's not healthy to impose those. But I talk with them actually quite frequently. And my daughter, actually, she still sees a counselor just because she feels like, you know, she has a little bit of residual emotional backlash, sometimes some triggers. And she'll tell me about her sessions with her counselor and what they talked about and what she's learned. And she'll ask me if I went through the same thing. And we're very open about it. You know, I try never to be negative about why we're in this space because they're rebuilding their relationship with their dad. But, you know, I try to be very honest and say, this has been helpful for me. This is something I think would benefit you. Here's what I felt. Here's how I got through that. And then my daughter's very interested, especially in my life coaching. And so we talk about, you know, some of the basic premises of, you know, how you coach someone. She reads psych textbooks for fun. So (laughs) she really gets into it. But even with my son, we will, you know, ride in the car somewhere and talk about it and just say, you know, Hey, you mentioned something the other day and it kind of worried me. Talk to me about how you're feeling about this. And that that's, it's basically been through just organic conversation um, that we've kind of walked through it together. That's, that's amazing. I'm so happy to hear it. And they're so fortunate to have somebody like you who is open and there to talk to. I truly believe, and you know, I can only say this theoretically since I don't have kids and I would never pretend to know how to parent, (laughs) but, but I can only assume that being open and honest is really the way to go. And I understand there can't always be like a you know, it's not saying yeah. that everything is, is there and on the table for conversation, but being really like free with how you talk and allowing them the space to communicate their thoughts and their feelings is, is really just so powerful. It's great that they have been able to kind of see you go through this process and, and see the people in your life that have been helpful, coaches, counselors, I'm a huge proponent of therapy myself, uh, going to individual therapy. I started like a couple of years ago, like I, when I was like really sick and I wanted to go through it to like keep myself on my mental game. Cause there was a while where I was depressed. I was like, you know, total identity crisis, didn't know what the hell was going on. And I'm very introspective and re- self-reflective And so I think a lot of people like me are like, oh, like, oh, I don't really need therapy. And I'm telling you, if if you're a person that already does that a lot, you will love going to therapy or love having a coach because (laughs) 
they just take you a level deeper than you could have already gone yourself or that you're already going. And the growth then becomes exponential. So it's like, even if you are somebody who is really self-aware and, and can kind of like, you know, step yourself through your problems, going to somebody and having a mentor of some sort, a professional of some kind is transformational. Uh, my wife and I have been to couples therapy. We've been going mm-hmm. for probably going on a year now. And it's just not quite a year, but anyways, it's just been, it's so amazing. Like what it's yeah. done for our relationship and we've done so proactively, but we always wanted to, like, even when we were dating, yeah. we, we'd always talked about it and we're like, you know, and, and I think really, as I, I'm kind of rambling here, I'm, <laughs> as I'm thinking out loud. <laughs> What sticks out to me is that being growth centered and like having that growth mindset is so, so important. And then on the flip side, you know, so like, that's what you're teaching your kids. You're showing them, you're being a model as to how you live with a growth mindset and how not to stay in this fixed mindset or this stuck place. That's just so powerful. As I like, I'm going to stop myself from rambling here. Um, <laughs> quick question for you before we wrap up with, I know like everything we've talked about, we've kind of talked around a lot of uh, the things that I was hoping to get to today. And I think that you were too, but for somebody, I'll kind of like step back to somebody like you, you know, when you were really kind of going through your stuff initially what's like the first step or two that they could, you know, we're talking a lot now about we shifted a little bit to like counseling and finding a coach or a mentor. What are like the first one to two things? If somebody is like, Oh, like maybe I am having like worthiness issues or, Oh, I have seen myself get stuck in similar relationships that aren't serving me. Or if I'm stuck with a friend group that isn't supportive, what is like the first one or two things that you would give to these people? So obviously um, when you're trying to help someone get past an issue, the first thing you have to ask is why does the issue exist, right? And usually, and you know this, it's because they have some sort of limiting belief that's keeping them stuck in that pattern. You know, whether that limiting belief like mine stems from childhood or whether it stems from a recent relationship or, you know, whether it just stems from, you know, things that you've heard at school or on TV or in social media or whatever, all of those are possible, but you have to get to the core belief that is causing that. And then you have to redirect that person away from that limiting belief. And depending on what it is, there may be actual physical actions that they can take, or it may be a mental process of, you know, every time that thought comes up, there is a counter thought that you have to focus on. And, you know, sometimes it helps to do journaling or affirmations or whatever. All of those are positive processes that go along with coaching. So I guess I start with, you know, what is the problem? What belief is behind the problem? And let's start working on that problem while we figure out what is your goal? You know, this, this problem is limiting you in some way. What is the goal in life that this limiting belief is keeping you from achieving? And if you have a goal to work toward, um, that's one of the things I love about coaching. I think it's much easier for people to work on a problem when they have a goal. 
that they want to achieve. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for that. To wrap up here, is there anything, I've got one little segment here I want to do with you right at the end. Okay. Actually, yeah, we'll we'll go ahead and do that now. I'll ask you that final question after that. So this kind of ending segment is what I call the visionary hat trick. Okay. And so I, I like the word visionary because I truly believe that we are all visionaries in our own way. And if we allow ourselves to be, and we kind of step into our power and the things that make us unique, all those things that we are, you know, kind of like ran from at some point in our life or didn't accept, like we talked about in our conversation today, we have the ability to create change, right? Right. And so these, these questions are just kind of like fun little questions to talk a little bit more about that and how that kind of looks for you. If you don't want to answer any of them or you don't, you don't have an answer, it's totally fine. Just kind of like a quick, like quick hitting questions here. So 60 seconds or, you know, whatever feels good. So the first one is share one belief that you have that sounds wild or crazy or that you worry about being judged for. I believe that I am meant to teach people personal responsibility. And I believe that that is something people don't want. Personal responsibility is at the heart of what I coach people. And I think that there's a lot of resistance to personal responsibility in the world. I would agree. (laughs) (laughs) I would agree. If you're working with people for, you know, seven years now, you start to see that as a bit of a trend. Yeah. Second one, when you realize your vision, notice I said when, not if, what does that look like and what impact will that have on the world? Um, My vision looks like um, a large group of women across the nation and hopefully eventually across many nations that have created families that are emotionally healthy, that are open, that teach people their own value and self-worth. And it also gives a younger generation a different stepping off point when it comes to the decisions they make for our world. So that the decisions that our children and our grandchildren make are decisions based upon empathy and um, understanding of human nature and love versus some of the things that we see today on social media. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, love the answer. The final one that is really just kind of building off of that, really like zooming out, thinking super big picture here. What is your ultimate hope for humanity? Wow, that's a big question. My hope for humanity would be that the family structure, regardless of how you define family, would continue to be honored and that people would understand the value of relationship, regardless of what label you put on relationships, because I don't really think that's important, but that worldwide we would focus on the relationship we have with our closest relatives, with our friends, with ourselves, and with our communities. 
and that relationship would become the stepping stone for everyone. Mm. So, so good. We're working towards it. Hopefully. I, you know, it, it's funny. I think that this current situation actually is leading people to understand a little bit of it. And hopefully we all come out of this with a lot more um, compassion and a lot more sense of what is truly important. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. There's a lot of pain and suffering that's going to come from this, but uh, pain is one of our greatest teachers. And I think if we are open to that, we, we really are going to learn a lot from this. And so my hope is really just that we embrace the opportunity and I, and I see it happening already, but truly, yes, it's like hoping that we as humans kind of step up to the plate and, uh, go in the direction that we need to. Absolutely. All right, Terry. Well, final thing here, anything, anything that we didn't mention, we didn't hit on, I think we kind of went all over, but if there's anything that (laughs) we didn't touch on that you wanted to really kind of like share with the listeners, go ahead and do that now. Okay. Um, I think the only thing that I would add is that sometimes we feel like it's too late You know, I I think that one of the things that really held me back after a certain point in my relationship was what's gone on too long. You know, it's too late to change and it's never too late. If you are still breathing, it is never too late to have a better outlook, to have better relationships, to love yourself, um, to understand and love other people. Um, that, that I think is the one thing I've actually had a couple of people approach me about coaching and then back off because of their age. And they felt like that was not appropriate for them at a certain stage in life. And it is never too late. We want to leave a legacy behind. And even if it's in your last years, that legacy can still be achieved. So never give up on yourself or give up on your ability to learn to love your fellow man. Thank you so, so much for that. That's a, a beautiful way to close our conversation. I, again, I, I couldn't agree more. Just to kind of like go back to that message that we've been pushing this whole time is like, you are worthy. You're always worthy of making that change. Do it for yourself and do it for the rest of us because, you know, kind of the, the namesake of the podcast, like the world needs you and we can only have you if you allow yourself that shift. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, where can the people find you, Terry? Um, you can find me on Facebook, um, Terry Bland, B-L-A-N-D, Milroy, M-I-L-R-O-Y, on Instagram at Milroy Terry, and um, on my website at braversmarterstronger.com. Awesome. I will have all those links in the show notes below. Terry, thank you so, so much for having this conversation with me today. I'm so happy we got to do this. And yeah, just thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ben. I really enjoyed it. Hey, yo. Thanks so much for listening. I truly hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just a reminder that all the relevant links can be found in the show notes below, as well as that of our free Facebook community, where all the cool kids are at, just being ourselves, sharing our gifts, and supporting the hell out of one another. So come on in, introduce yourself, and join the party. See you in there.